Welcome to the Sojourn Midweek Checkup. My name is Bobby Gillis. This past Sunday, Pastor Jonah taught from Matthew 19 in our Family Values series, and we saw how Jesus responded to a trap question about divorce and used it to uphold the blessedness of marriage and bring healing to our souls. I'm joined by Jasmine Trejo Oliver, Lindsay Blair, and Michael Miller for a conversation about the sermon, sort of like what you might have in community group. And let me say something right off the bat um, before we, we're going to be talking about marriage, um, but before we do, uh, one of the discussion questions was, if you desire to be married, how are you preparing now to take a posture of service in your future marriage? And the four of us, we're all married um, to different people. And I was unmarried my first six years at Sojourn. So I, I know what it's like to be single and to hear teaching on marriage and to know that most of my brothers and sisters in Christ are married. And I just want to say that I think we have wonderful single people at Sojourn who are often the backbone of how we serve this community. Some are divorced, some have been widowed, some have never been married. The Bible has very positive things to say about singleness. So if I were unmarried and, and I were asked, how can you prepare to take a posture of service in your future marriage? I would say by following the example of Sarah Ash, Stephen Smith, Melissa Gordon, Karen Lasley, many others at Sojourn who are always reaching out and putting others first. And I think that we, we need to honor them and, and you know, just not forget the important part they play in, the, in our body when we're talking about marriage. I noticed Jonah didn't. Sorry? Can we get a witness? <laughs> Shout out, Steve Smith. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I noticed Jonah wasn't endorsing uh, Sojourn taking on Unix. So, uh, there's like a whole passage yeah. in the Matthew that we read that Jonah didn't address. Uh -huh. I get it. That wasn't the point of the sermon, but it caught my eye. I was like, there are eunuchs who are born that way and eunuchs who are made that way and people who chose to be eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven. And I'm like, huh, Sojourn doesn't have any of those. But <laughs> it, is, it is like something that's common in like the Catholic tradition um, or even um, some some other traditions in which like there there are people who do take vows of like I'm, I'm not going to get married and I'm going to minister to people and that way they can kind of relate to the people in their congregation who aren't married and I can kind of see the appeal behind that yeah yeah one of, one of the things that I really have loved about Sojourn for a long time is we that we've never really had like a singles group or a singles like we've never separated people based on their status whether they're married or not and that was one of the things that i always appreciated and value just being in community group with married couples singles older people younger people and just having that opportunity to be in that kind of a relation relationship with them in community um, and just over the years i can't tell you how many of, of 
those people, whether married, single, that, that I've been in relationship with that, um, I've benefited from those relationships and grown from those relationships. And I think um, Jonah talked a lot today about tr transformation that happens in marriage and that happens through relationship and that can still, that happens even outside of marriage with our friendships and relationships with other people who, who are married and single and vice versa. I know that, you know, you, you hear people who are single who are blessed and ministered to by um, married couples. And, and I know that um, the roles are reversed. I've been blessed and encouraged and um, learned a whole lot from people who are single. Um, and I just think that's something that I'm really thankful for here at Sojourn is just, I feel like that, that foundation was set pretty early on. Yeah. yeah I mean, it goes to what we've been talking about with diversity, like, you know, just being around people that come from different walks of life or, or, or are in a different station right now and they can bring something to you and you can bring something to them that you would miss if you were just kind of sequestered with people that were in exactly your state. Michael, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that it is pretty unique. I never, I've never thought about that from that perspective, nor have I really, like, I guess, been to a church or I guess this is kind of my real first church like experience for a couple of years. Is that something that is practiced uh, quite often? Like sing singles ministry or something like that. Is that what you mean? Yeah. 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 I think so. Um, I, you know, when I came, I was divorced. I was fairly newly divorced. And I appreciated the fact that I wasn't just going to be like ushered off into the divorce group. And I, I was like, there is something good about like, you know, especially if you're, you're newly divorced and you need care for that. And I think there's something that's totally natural about wanting to be around people that have been through what you're going through. So I don't want to, don't take this too extreme, but I, I think that one of the one of the good things about sort of the community group model, um, rather than having models for like every life stage where like, this is where all the twenties are, and this is where the divorcees are, and this is where the seniors are. Um, you know, when you do that, you do just create those silos where people aren't around anyone else that might have a different take or might've been where they've been and now or somewhere else. So um, yeah, I really like the opportunity just to be around people that, you know, we're married or we're single, we're divorced, we're, you know, um, had not been married. It's, it's a, I think, a real strength. Um, and one thing that we've heard a lot is from, from other, you know, people come into Sojourn over the years um, that are single is that sometimes in sort of evangelical culture, those singles ministries take on like a meat market aspect where it's like, this is not what you came to the church for to you know to be hit on or something like that. Now it's not done on purpose. I I don't think or I would hope not. But um, like you want to honor people and show respect to them, and and not just like we don't want to give singles the idea like hey you're you are not you are not like fully a part of this until we can get you hitched, you know. And yeah. sometimes, unfortunately, maybe we don't even mean to do that, but we can come off that way if we're just like pushing. You know, oh, just hang in there. You're going to find the, the one that's right for you and, and all that kind of thing. Um, we, we might have intentions, but we're actually kind of heavy burdens on people. I mean, I can't imagine, like, just even here at Sojourn New Albany, what we would be missing if if that was the atmosphere that, you know, we had just the, the gifts that so many of the people that you mentioned bring to our church body. Um, that would be really sad to not have you know, their presence and their giftings here. Yeah. 
Well, the four of us are all married. We've been married for different uh, periods of time. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. Just uh, our our marriages and maybe even interacting with how, you know, the the, the sermon, like what rings true, um, what um, could be helpful for our marriages or for the marriages of people that we know. Um, anyone have any thoughts from this, this morning? I loved that it was pro-therapy. That's, yeah. um, so I come from a family that's very anti-doctor um, in general. It's just a, a tradition mm -hmm. that we've never really been a, a part of. And that's because of some bad experiences, I think. But like my family doesn't traditionally like accept therapy or see it as like a, a good thing. And so um, like I really appreciated that Jonah started off with a definition at least early on of therapy being this idea of wholeness of reaching your full humanity and mind body spirit and i think that idea of therapy might be more appealing to people than if you think oh therapy it's where you go sit in an office and talk to a person who scribbles notes um like well that's that's one form of it but it's not encompassing like that definition is encompassing and, and like Blake and I have been to couples therapy and I thought um, it was extremely helpful for us. And we went to um, marital counseling just after we were married and not necessarily because like there was anything big wrong, but I think it helped us be able to communicate, learn to communicate really well early on, which was very helpful because, you know, one of the top three, the top three reasons that people, that uh, relationships don't work in marriage are money, sex, and communication. Mm -hmm. And so I think communication being one of the big pillars that leads to the other two, that was really helpful for us. So I was really glad to hear that from Jonah, just from from the, yeah. the pulpit of like therapy. Here's Here it is, it's not so bad, really helpful. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I hope I understood that well. Maybe you guys can clarify, but when he when he said that word therapy from the Greek, he was actually referring to the word healing in in that passage. Correct? It, it's, yeah. how, it's how it's translated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I, I I was like really captivated by that for a moment. I kind of missed the the next couple minutes because I was like, man, this whole time every time I read scripture, I thought of these miracle healings that were happening right there, not therapy, you know, and like in that sort of aspect. And then I was like, you know, it just really opened my eyes to like, wow, how much, uh, how much we probably don't realize we're doing Jesus, Jesus' same work when we're providing this sort of therapy or listening, you know, like putting yourself in positions where you're doing that and then calling it healing. You know what I'm saying? Um, cause I, I don't, I don't think personally I've ever saw it that way. So I was really like, just stuck on that for a couple minutes and I kind of was like, let me, I got to pay attention. Like I'll get back to this thought later. So, you know, Jasmine, like you just said, like the fact that he, he, you know, opened up about therapy kind of at the beginning was like, Oh man, that's really, that's really unique. Um, you know, the two, the two little guys that I have with me the past couple Sundays, um, that's, that's how I've met them. That's, that's our relationship is therapy. And so, like, you know, I'm sitting there next to these two little guys, and I'm like, man, this is crazy. <laughs> you know, so it really it really uh, hit home for me, um, just just hearing that particular thing. Um, uh, sorry, two little guys? Oh, yeah. Uh, COVID, man. I assume everybody's at church. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I got two little, uh, two little dudes um, from the program that I, was, that I mentioned here on here before called The Game. 
Okay. Um, and so they, they come with me and um, yeah. Oh, cool. So like you all just hang out together at church? Yeah. So basically I kind of created, um, this is so side note, but anyway, I've created like kind of a, a boss employee type relationship with them just to teach them like, Hey, I don't, I'm not going to give you money. You can earn a wage and things of that nature and stuff like that. And then after the first service, I'll talk to them about a little bit about that. And so, um, for all those listening and everybody here, um, I, I'm sent a text to the staff, but I'm going to actually talk to them about, um, baptism and Jesus and dedicating their life to him this week. So be praying about that. Uh, one's name is Bentley who was actually, um, one of my one of my cousins who's passed away a few years ago is one of her son uh, her son and then the other kid's name is Jai. Cool. Oh, awesome. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I was just about to ask you like so so how's the therapy working in that? Like you just answered it of like, well, Christ to us is that healing, that therapeia. And so that's that would be pretty awesome. Like tune yeah. in members to our church right it's it's pretty exciting um but yeah i guess going back to to your question bobby like there was there was several things um one thing that was like really huge for me is um i think the question the question was oh well it wasn't the question he he said something like it's it's relentless love that reveals the love of christ to the world um through marriage and you know, over the nine years that I have been married, that has been like the the biggest blessing and the like most obvious, I think, in my marriage when it comes to, to Jordan's love towards me. The things that, you know, I've experienced, I've, I've shared my story a few times. I'm not sure if I have on here, but just in short, like within six years of our marriage from, from the very beginning into our, our sixth year, like I experienced about nine like close relationship deaths. Um, parents, grandparents, one of my, my cousin that I just mentioned, and um, my big brother, just to name a few. Um, and so the the things that I would put her through, you know, hurt people, hurt people is, is the way I usually say it. Um, but she she's she's never left. Um, she's always been there, um, even when I was attacking her. Like she she would never leave, and so. For me, when he when he said it, it was just like, wow, she she demonstrates that, um, and that's actually kind of one of the reasons like that made me realize the type of woman that I had in my life at the like back in 2010. Uh, again, I was experiencing a lot, um, and my parents um, were actually, I think, considering divorce before my dad had his stroke, and then a few years, a few months later, he he passed away from the stroke, but I remember there was a night in particular where there was a lot of family things going, family, like family problems kind of coming out into the living room, out of their bedroom, and uh, they needed to separate. And so I actually uh, removed my mom from the situation and came back home. Well, Jordan was there that night and I told her like, hey, I need you to leave. Like, this is embarrassing. You know, I don't, I don't want her to see this stuff. And she was just like, no, I'm not going anywhere. And I was like, yes, you are. You don't have that kind of choice. And uh, she she was just like, there's no one else here, like not going anywhere. And like that was just eye opening to me because I was like, what do you mean? And then at the same time, I kind of knew after she said that, I kind of knew like, she's right. I do need her. And, uh, you know, it was just like, wow, that's uh, that's profound. I've never really experienced something like that before. So 
you know, I've told, I've told her that or anybody who asked about marriage, like, why did you pick her? It's just like, man, I've never, I've never experienced that type of love. Wow. That's great. Mic drop. That's right. It is. <laughs> He's sojourner of the week. <laughs> well, um, you know, one of the discussion questions was how does Jesus free us from a consumer mindset, specifically regarding marriage? Um, and, you know, I was, Jonas said we were designed together for authority on earth, not to tear it up, drain it up, or make it ugly, but to make it beautiful live in such a way that leads to human flourishing and the flourishing of all God's creation. And he brought up Ephesians 5 verse 21, which leads off and frames Paul's discussion of marriage. If you don't, if you misunderstand that verse, you don't really understand anything that follows. And that verse is submit to one another. Um, and I, I preached about that verse last year in the Bliss or Miss a Marriage series. And we find the same thing in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, and he says, the wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and then the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. And it's not talking about taking or demanding, of course, that would be abuse, but it's about giving, caring, mutually submitting, putting your spouse above yourself. It's, it's the opposite of consumerism, which says, me, me, me. And this is all about you, you, you. It's how can I serve you? And when we let the Spirit shape us like this, that's what that means. He's making us like Jesus who came not to be served, but to serve. And I was thinking about that, you know, when you were just telling that story about Jordan and, and how I can, I can see Christ and her actions towards you and her, her, her attitude and posture in the marriage. Absolutely right, Bobby. I mean, that is something that I think really gets kind of overlooked is, is to see that kind of consistency in, some, in a person where, you know, some folks are really missional and, and you can kind of see God at work in that, but some things are just really subtle. And um, I think we kind of go hand in hand in that, you know, like the things that I do, it might be relevant and you can see and, and like see the effects of, of what God is doing through that type of work. But, you know, on the flip side, someone who's just consistent and regardless of what you throw at them, they said they made a commitment, they made a vow. Um, and they stick to they stick to it, you know, regardless, not not because things shift a certain way. And, you know, I think Jonah talked about that a little bit, too, of just like, you know, you, you got you got person who makes up who hits all your checks on your list. But then in two years from now, they change. And it's like, oh, no, 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 I'm out of here. You, you've you've voided the contract. You know, like this is not what I signed up for. Like, that's not that's just that's just not the attitude to have. And we all know that. But Yeah. And I think a lot of a lot of us, I say us, myself included, just um, Matt and I have been married for 20 years this year. Um, this was a big year for mm. us. But um, but stepping into marriage, I think it's real easy to, to step into it and just have this idealistic picture of what you think it's going to look like. And a lot of times I know for me, I had an idealistic picture of what it would look like for me. Um, just thinking of what I wanted in the marriage, the way I wanted things to look, the way I wanted things to be. I just had this vision. Well, you get married and it doesn't take long to realize, oh, this isn't going to be exactly how I envisioned it because you have two imperfect people marrying one another, two different people marrying each other. Um, and so I think just that consumer mindset, sometimes I think um, we can step into marriage with that mindset, maybe not even realize that we have that mindset. But I, I think um, as 
as we like are married longer and longer, I think we start to see that and learn that. And I think the submit the mutual submission is key. Um, and I think it's something that we doesn't always come natural. I think that we um, learn that as we go with our spouses, just putting others before ourselves. Um, it's not always doing what we want to do. And ultimately it's putting God's desires above our own own desires. And I just love to think of submission as being a posture. And Bobby, you brought up um, Jesus. And I think Jesus just showed us what submission looked like as he submitted to God, um, his father here on earth. And I, he just lived a life that modeled that posture of submission, like submission not being an event, but just a posture that we have towards one another. Um, and I know that can be um, a trigger word for some people, but I think when we look at it as a posture where we're mutually putting one another above ourselves, um, that takes, I think, the threat out of that word for some people. And I think it can just be a beautiful picture of the gospel um, for, for people around us when we're um, living out of that uh, mindset. And I think living in that mutual submission, that space puts us in a position where we are able to experience growth because we're trusting God and we're not leaning on what we know all the time. We're saying we don't always have the answers. We may not be right. Um, maybe our spouse sometimes is right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you and Michael have said, Lindsay, of, um, you know, there, there is something about changing you change every day. And so um, I actually read a really good article by a person who was single, who was a Christian, just speaking out to married couples of like, it's actually been really harmful. The article said it was really harmful for me to idealize that honeymoon stage of my future relationship. Um, because like, that's, that's at the beginning of your marriage. And obviously, like, there's that social idea of the honeymoon phase, because then it ends. Um, and then people will say like, oh, well, the person changed. Like, well, you're right. We're all, like we said last week, we're all changing regularly. It's a healthy part of growth. But um, something Blake and I adopted from counseling that I thought was really helpful was asking each other regularly, how are you changing? Because it's not, marriage isn't necessarily a one and done thing only. It's also you have to keep being married to that person over time and change when you change change with them in a way of so that you're not you don't don't start dividing so like jonah talked about this is why it's recommended that christians don't marry non-christians because as you start changing you're going to have different goals and they're going to go in different directions and you might even check in with that but if they're they're going in different directions like eventually they'll just grow farther and farther apart um and that's going to cause tension in your marriage and that that makes sense it's not to say that you can't do that it's not recommended because of that reason. And so that gets to another point uh, that I think is really important when it comes to submission. And for me, why it is actually a trigger word. Um, but I think a big part of that is voluntary. So Christ voluntarily gave himself up to save, to seek and save those who were lost. In a marriage, um, I've seen, you know, I've seen curriculum for Bible studies. I've heard it said from pastors, even in the local area of you know, submission is something that's mandated. And I have a lot more respect for the submission that is voluntary, that someone is a living sacrifice out of choice. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that helps a little bit with the scorecard, you know, like 
well, I did this for you, you did this for me, and the consumerism that goes of if you're expecting people to do something rather than it just is an outpouring of love, you know? Absolutely. And when, when Paul talks about submission in Ephesians, it's in the context, even going back before in that chapter of being filled with the Spirit, it's like we need the Holy Spirit. Like this is not natural on our own. It's, it's really hard to do. And that goes to that aspect of like this is, a, this is something, it's a choice that we make. We, we choose to follow Christ, right? Um, but we need God's help. It is, it is not a natural thing. Do we, I want my way. I want it to be my way, you know, and that's how we all are. And so how are we ever going to make it, you know, in a marriage, if, if we're each going to keep putting the other first, like got to invite God to, to help us, us do that. You now, Chris and I will be married 10 years on Friday. So we're, we're getting close to our, our 10th anniversary. And <clears throat> I think two years in, we had the, the greatest uh, trial of our marriage and, and worst event of our lives and that was the the death of our you know our stillbirth of our son Parker um, at the end of a perfectly healthy pregnancy it was just a fluke thing um, in the birthing process that happened so you know it was it was a horrible horrible thing and a surprise and, and I remember when we came home from the hospital a couple of days later we we just talked openly and honestly and I told Kristen you know I, I had read previously that um, when couples when they lose a child the divorce rate for couples that lose a child skyrockets. It's super high. And, and because you've gone through this horrible thing together. And, and one of the reasons why um, psychologists say the divorce rate gets high after that is because we all respond to grief differently and we all recover differently and at different paces. And it's, it's easy to not understand why your spouse isn't feeling exactly how you're feeling. And maybe they're not, they, Maybe they're just not a crier and you are a crier. And so you think like, man, we just lost our child and I haven't seen my spouse cry, you know, or my spouse is seems to be recovering faster than me. He wanted us to go to the movies or whatever it is. And how could he do that when it's only been, you know, whatever, two months or three months. And, you know, I just said to Kristen, like, I, I think we need to acknowledge that, you know, I don't know how we're going to process this. Cause this has never happened to me before. I never happened to her before, but like, we've just got to Jasmine going back to what, what you said, communication. Like we have to communicate with each other and we have to empathize with each other and make sure as we're changing that we're checking in with each other and we can respect where each other is and um, just, you know, grow together instead of go apart. Man, thanks for sharing that, Bobby. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that says a lot, a little bit of what you said, Jasmine, a minute ago made me think about, um, I think some of the questions that, I don't think Jonah really, uh, I guess he was more preaching about the question than he did just pose the question to to us, but it was like, what is, what is our marriage about? So like specifically me and Jordan, and then what is our vision? Um, that's something I haven't really thought about. And so I'll actually, brought that home and we kind of talked about that and um <clears throat> it was actually pretty cool because jordan was at home with the kids so she didn't get to listen to the sermon but she was like she was like i think our you know our marriage is about our yeah yeah she was like i think our marriage is about like our partnership and stuff like that. and i was like that's a unique word like why'd you pick that because i thought maybe she watched it and she was like um i don't know it's just like something that i think we've been really good at and so i think like we're really about that with, with one another. And 
you know, it made me, it kind of threw me back several years because I remember not necessarily work partnership, but I remember being like good at working together, but not good with intimacy in our relationship. And I can, I can really feel that, um, especially like being, I guess I'm that person in our relationship. And so I just remember like being really scared to just tell her like, like, I think we're doing the, I can't remember how I said it, it was like, I think we're doing like the business stuff of marriage really well. Like all of that is going fine. We're running it. It's it's good. But I was like, there's no real like love and, and all of that stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I remember saying it and I was so scared to say it, but I was just like, I just, I don't think like I'm in love with you right now. And, uh, like she looked at me and said the same thing. And I was like, almost in a way relieved because I was like, okay, that helps me identify where we really are. Like we both really realized that we're not on the same, that we are on the same page, but we're not where we want to be and where we're supposed to be. And um, again, like you said, Jasmine, communication, like that was, although it sounds horrible, that was like a a highlight moment for us because, the work that we did after that, knowing that, okay, we both are here, but we don't ever want to give up. And like, of course I still love you. I'm just not in love with you. Um, and, and so we had to do the work when seeing, you know, seeing a therapist and, and, um, you know, was able to work on those kind of things. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was very helpful. Um, but it was cool to kind of revisit that, those type of thoughts again. Mm. I think that's a great example, Michael. Um, of just being able to bring who you are and where you are fully into your marriage relationship. And Jonah alluded to this today and just talked about how our marriages should be safe spaces. Um, And our marriages should be safe spaces where we are able to bring, bring how we're feeling, how we're thinking to the table and be able to press in together and step into that. And and that sounds like a really difficult conversation that you all had, but you all were willing to be honest. And, um, and that, that's something that's not easy to do. And I think just Lord, 20 years of marriage, there's just been lots of opportunities for that, just learning and growing in, in that those areas of just communication and pressing in and being honest and being real and it's messy. And I know we've just, I mean, we've had seasons in our marriage, just really hard seasons. We've um, just experienced family tragedies and losses and, um, you know, life happens and that that's hard. I mean, right now we're living in the middle of a pandemic and I know that's hard on a lot of marriages as well. And so there's just all these pressures and things that um, press in on our marriages and cause tension in addition to the fact that we are already wired differently and created differently. Um, But I know like over the years, um, like God, God has transformed Matt and I in a lot of ways. We are not the same people that we were when we married at, I was 21 and he was 24 and we are, we are not anywhere close to being the same people. Praise God. But um, (laughs) But just in thinking and like reflecting back on um, God used, he's used the beauty in our, in our marriage, like the beautiful moments, um, the births of our children. I mean, just beautiful moments. He, he's used those moments to transform us for sure and to work in our hearts. But just looking back, he's used the brokenness and some of the darkest and hardest times in our marriage have been the times that 
have resulted in the most growth and transformation. Um, I have this, um, this phrase that um, I, I think God just brought to me in the midst of one of those times, and it, it's in the mess he is making me new. And that's one of the things that pops in my head a lot. And that just the whole idea that God is using all things to work together for our good and his glory. Um, and, and that, that I, just to me, that's what helps me to press in and to press on into marriage when things get hard and when things are dark. And just knowing that on the other side of that, if we're willing to press in, like your example, Michael, where there's beauty that comes out. And, and as yeah. you do that, that relational and emotional intimacy that we all want, that connection that we all want, um, begins to grow and happen and it's cultivated. It's just like a garden. You can't just throw seeds in a garden and expect it to grow. You've got to till the ground and you've got to take care of the ground and you've got to pull the weeds. And I think that's a whole lot what what this is like. You have, you have to engage in those hard conversations. Um, yeah and be willing to, to do a little bit of that and, and trust that God is working because Christ is in each of you. The Holy Spirit is in each of you when, you know, two believers are married and, and just know that, that God's going to be faithful um, to both of you in that. And I mean, God has definitely um, been faithful to Matt and I just throughout our marriage. And, and I mean, that's, that's what keeps us going. I think that's the hope that we have is just knowing that our marriage is dependent on his faithfulness and not ours um mm. as far as we're not perfect we're, we're going to mess up we're going to be short with each other we're going to hurt each other um but our marriage isn't depending on perfectly loving each, each other only god can do that Amen. yeah yeah jasmine i'm curious um you and blake um were overseas for a couple of years right and two different yeah. countries how did that, did, did that kind of change your relationship to each other or did you learn new things about marriage being overseas and just getting juicy? I see you over there nodding. Looks <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. So we've been married a few years when uh, I was about to graduate and I said, Blake, there's this really cool scholarship I've always wanted to, to apply for. And it would mean that I would get to pick a country and we would go live there for a year. What do you think? And uh, we had a lot of conver long conversations about that. Um, but, you know, I, I wanted him to be a part of the process. And you, you try and prepare for that as much as possible. So, like, I'm like, okay, um, I want to go to Spanish-speaking country. Which one are you comfortable with? Um, we prayed about it and ended up with Spain. I applied, didn't know if we'd get it. I eventually got it and it became real. And so like then began the process of like, we're moving abroad for at least a year, if not two, like, all right, we've got nowhere to keep our stuff. So we, we sold the majority of what we owned and kept the rest with friends and family. And that was hard um, because, you know, as, as a, couple when you live together and live somewhere you start to build a life together so you, you buy furniture together you um you have memories and things and and so that that was a little hard especially because you know a lot of what blake inherited was from what when his mother passed away mm. and that was maybe a year or so before he met me so he was still grieving a bit 
when we met and then got married. Um, but he, he was okay to go abroad with me. And so he did. And I'm really thankful for his self-sacrificing there. Blake, I love you. <laughs> and, and he did. It was a big sacrifice for him because he landed in a really small town city of Spain. And Blake did not know one. He knew maybe a, a couple words in Spanish. That was it. And, uh, you know, I had a purpose in my daily life. I went to go teach. But he, he stayed home and he wrote. He, he's a writer. He, he liked that part of his life. But, you know, a month in, it was really hard because he was telling me how frustrated he was at, like, going shopping at the grocery store. Like, he can't ask for things. Or I'm going down to the bus. He doesn't have a car. He can't go anywhere. Um, and, and so that was, that was a really hard year for us. Um, and on top of that, we were sharing a stipend that was meant for one person. So, like, money was tight. Communication was awful in general with, like, Blake in the country. And then I had to do everything for him because he couldn't talk to the consulate lady. I had to talk to the consulate lady about why we couldn't get our ID cards and why he should get an ID card. And, um, man, I can't tell you the number of times we were frustrated and upset we were not working well. And on top of that, we'd left our, our support group. So we didn't have family over there. We didn't have friends. Um, they would call and check on us. And we didn't have our church group. Uh, tried to join a couple churches over there. That's a whole other story. Um, but, but yeah, and I could go on. Like it was, it was an extremely hard year. God got us through that and we ultimately drew close, closer together. But it's kind of like, it's kind of like a fracture. So you break a little, but it heals and it fuses together. And um, it's not what it was. And it's not, a, it's not gonna go back to what it was, but, but it still functions and it, moves, it, it still moves you forward. And in a way that fusing together again made you stronger together. So um, Blake and I have often commented on how that really difficult experience like God got us through it. And on the other side of that, it was extremely hard, but rewarding. Um, and, and, you know, we made it through because of God. And then we did it again in Ireland and, and came back and did it again to, to, to refound. So like, you don't necessarily want your life to be hard, but honestly, it is the hard experiences that end up being rewarding. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm really thankful because God has made us whole in those experiences. And, and there's a, I don't remember if it's by Ernest Hemingway or someone else, but it's a quote that says, like, we are broken and in our brokenness, the light can shine through. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a beautiful rephrasing of what Lindsay said earlier of that passage she found, like, God is making us new in these broken experiences. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's Sorry, that was a lot. That's a cool story. So, Bobby, how how long were you uh, single before you met your wife? Uh, six years. So, what what was what was that like? I mean, that that question that you asked a minute ago about like how were you preparing? Um, I've always been curious. So, something something kind of unique about my story is like. Jordan was probably my first girlfriend, like like actual girlfriend that I would date. Other than that, you know, I would I would just play the game. Um, 
but then as I met her, um, I met Christ. And so a lot of that big shift. And then actually we got baptized together. And right after we got baptized, I proposed like the same day. Um, and so I spent basically majority of my Christianity um, in marriage. So I've always been kind of curious of like, what, what it, what, like, what's it like as a, uh, I guess a Christian single and, you know, some, I guess some of the language Paul uses about like, you know, I, I implore you to be more like me, be single. You can do more. You're not bound by the world. You know, you're not uh, having to care about other things. Like you can give yourself fully to Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of, I guess, some of the context to the question I'm asking. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a season where I could do a, a whole lot um, at Sojourn. And for most of that time, um, I was, working for a law firm. I was a file clerk in a, in a law firm downtown. Um, so I had, you know, my full-time job, but then I had, I had a lot of time to, to serve the church and that surgery was younger and smaller then. And so it kind of needed a lot of, you know, bodies basically to do stuff and, you know, worked a lot with, uh, I mean, that's when I became involved with writing songwriting at Sojourn and getting involved with other songwriters and helping do some of the records that we did. And, working in communications in the church, um, doing a lot of like just social projects. I mean, I remember painting the walls at homeless shelters and just, I had time that I could do all those things. And so, I mean, that's why I think singles are a wonderful gift to the church and that's a good, good way to prepare yourself when, when you know, like once you're married, like you are, you've, you've got to have the heart of a servant towards this, this person that you're living with that sometimes you're going to be really mad at and you know, you're going to find all these differences and stuff like that. And I think a great way to prepare yourself is to, is to serve other people um, in your singleness. And I mean, I, I would have fun too. And you just go hang out with, with people and stuff like that. But I mean, it's definitely, um, I, I look back, I mean, I would not trade. I'd love being married. Um, I, I love my life now, but I, I do look back fondly on that time and just the, the way I feel like God grew me closer to himself and great friends of the church as well. So um, it wasn't, it wasn't a horrible time. I mean, I wanted to be married the whole time. I wanted to find something. <laughs> yeah, I was going to, I was going to kind of get to that. <laughs> I'm not, not going to lie at all. Um, but I mean, now looking back, I mean, it, it definitely God, it served a purpose in my life. Yeah. So what were some of the, the difficulties like and, and how did you get through those? The difficulties just with singleness? Like just being, yeah, yeah, being, yeah. And and, and obviously having a relationship with, with Christ, I'm, it's a little bit different when you're a non-believer, I, I, I would assume. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, loneliness was a ever-present difficulty, I would say. Um, yeah, that was, that was probably the biggest one that I can think of really loneliness and, and I had been married before. So, I mean, this was, a, I had three sons. Um, and I had partial. Custody of, so again, like they were, you know, that was a lot of my life was, was being invested in them. Um, right. So it might've, the loneliness might've been more pronounced, I think if I didn't have them. Um, but you know, that was uh, again, like a hard period, but there's a lot of sweetness there when I look back at, you know, now, now with my two little girls, like I look at them and I can remember so clearly when the boys who are now grown were that little. Um, so yeah, I'd say that, that loneliness was tough and sort of the disconnect of, um, you know, most of my single friends weren't parents and they had never been married. A few of them were divorced. Um, 
but for the most part, they, that was like, this is different. You know, I'm in a different place um, than most of my single friends. And so, you know, I can't say that any of them treated me bad, but it's just my perception of like, that I, I don't fit in was, was ever present. I had to deal with that a lot, just emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of experienced that sort of just being married at 21 and just all my friends, like as of at, at this very moment, uh, two of my best friends are, you know, in a position where like they're about to grow their family and they've been married for three or four years or something like that. But all those years prior to that, I would, they would be, you know, almost kind of willy nilly with things like, Hey, let's go take a trip. And I'm like, they don't work like that. No, there's been, there's been like multiple, um, uh, uh, wedding parties that I've been in, but couldn't go to the bachelor party for I'm selling my house. I'm about to have my first kid. And like, all of them are like, dude, like you're my, one of my best friends. Like you ain't gonna, and I'm like, dude, you'll see one day, like, I can't explain it to you, but like, these are choices you got to make, you know, like, so it was always, it was always different. I, I, probably the first few years I kind of resented it, to be honest, because I was just like, dude, like, I don't want to be ostracized. Like, these are my friends and I'm stuck in this marriage, <laughs> you know, like, what's going on? <laughs> this ain't what I bargained for. But, uh, you know, now, now that, um, you know, God had a bigger plan for me and now that I am where I am, um, you know, and, and I'm able to see the things that God put before me before I was able to recognize it. Then, like I said, in one of those qualities with Jordan and um, just how he's been there for me throughout my life. Like, I'm like, you know, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't trade or, or do anything to, to be where I'm at today. You know, not that I'm ahead or behind or anything like that in comparison to my friends, but um, to be to be where I'm at at, at age 30. Um, I'm I'm very very thankful and very blessed to be in in this position, you know. Spent five years uh, in marriage before we we had our first child. I think that was critical. Like I would recommend that to anybody, you know. Please get to know yourself, know your spouse before you bring in a baby. Like <laughs> that, was, that was so 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 challenging, you know. Once once we became parents you know now she's a mother and I'm a father and it's like oh you think you know how that person is going to be as a parent like you saw them with their nephew or their niece and you're like oh they're gonna be a great parent that that didn't always happen (laughs) that way you know Uh, so uh, you know just being able to to experience it um in that in that way and how we adjusted to that as well I think was 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 another test in marriage Oh, that's interesting. Like, and I don't have kids yet. So we've been, we've had a number of friends start to have kids. And honestly, like I have another friend group, a couple who's going to have a kid here in a couple of months and I'm already mourning their loss. <laughs> I am honestly, because I, I've seen it happen. I know it's going to happen again. I'm not yeah. trying not to be resentful. I'm trying not to be upset about it. It's like, well, it's not all about me. They're having their kid. I'm very happy for them. I am, but I already know like they're going to be gone. It's, they're yeah. just going to be gone because it's so much responsibility. And I, I saw it happen yeah. to my other friends. Like, I think I'll get these ones back eventually, but I've, I've got some friends who have, once they had kids, like, yeah, no, they were impossible to get a hold of. And mm-hmm. like, they, they're just off the map, gone. Well, you're in um, Mike Cosper, one of the founders of Sojourn. One time he called a baby prison. Like you're in baby prison. <laughs> It's like totally dependent upon you and like feedings and 
nap times and stuff like that. And so it's like, you've got this whole period of your life where it's like, what, what can you do? Like it's, no, you're right. I had a friend who, he would hide in the bathroom to get some private time. And I was like, man, I'm so sorry. What can I do to help you? And you don't even get that when they start walking. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. Over. Yeah. Uh, I remember our, with our first, that first year, like I've, I haven't heard of the phrase baby prison, but I felt like we were in this time warp for a year where for a while it was just about Matt and I, like it, that we, we could do what we wanted to do. We could eat when we wanted to eat. We could bathe when we wanted to bathe. We could go wherever we wanted to go. And then um, you have your first baby. And I mean, you all, I had babysat since I was 12 years old. Like I was like the babysitter um, for lots of people. And I was like, this is going to be a cinch. Like, I, I like <laughs> man, that, that first, I mean, there's nothing that can prepare you for it. And, um, and I just remember I think it was a time warp because I don't remember a whole lot else outside of just taking care of this of this baby. And I remember once we reached the one year birthday, like I remember thinking to myself, oh my goodness, we did it. We kept a baby alive. Like he's like, we did it. We, we made it. Like there was something about that one year mark. Yeah. But man, I mean, it's that that's just one of the many, um, one of the many times where you just feel like things are pressing in and it's just, it's, it's beautiful and it's hard all at the same time. And it's, I mean, it changed, it changes you. It changes you as individuals. It changes you as a couple. And I think when you get married, you realize, you start to realize how selfish you are when you get married. Mm -hmm. I think when you have children, you realize even more <laughs> like, Oh, I really <laughs> am selfish with my time and my energy and what I want. Y'all, can I just be honest? I'm really selfish. Like, I do not want to share Blake with a baby. <laughs> I don't want to share my life with a baby. That sounds awful. That sounds terrible. I'm sorry. We're, this is a healing process. <laughs> this is therapy. <laughs> but no, I, I, love, I love that Lindsay said, um, I love that Lindsay said, like, you can bathe when you want to, because that is so yeah. true. I don't know how many times, like, we've been kind of toe to toe, me and Jordan, it's like, I ain't even took a bath. Like, get out of my face. <laughs> Like if, if I can't wash up as soon as I get off my route, like I'm like, no, mm -mm, no one talk to me. I don't want to see you. <laughs> no privacy. Nope. None at all. None at all. No thanks. Yeah, my um my sister is still single, which is crazy because when we were growing up, she was the one that always had a boyfriend in high school and I didn't. And so I would drive her and her boyfriend around on dates because I could drive and she couldn't. <laughs> and so like yeah, I was it was fine. I was. Um, friends with her boyfriend at the time and like well I guess this is how it's gonna be because I didn't expect to get married anytime soon um, and and like you George or Michael um, Blake was my first like steady real boyfriend and yeah. so like once we graduated and then like I'm the first one to get married and then my sister is like still single throughout my marriage we've been together almost seven years now um, and she's like, she's told me like, it's great to see you and Blake, but sometimes it's frustrating because I want that. Mm -hmm. and so she's really stepped in and she's an inspiration to me, actually. She's stepped in to really pursue the Lord with her time. And so like, she goes to conferences, she volunteers, she helps, kind of like what you did, Bobby. Um, and she even started a Facebook page called Undivided and Unbroken. 
for, mm -hmm. to minister to other women who are single and frustrated with that state, and also to get advice from other women, even married women. And that's been a blessing, I know, to her and to other women in the area, that's cool. um, especially to deal with that loneliness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, the more you stop and think about it and you talk, like just like we're doing right now, there's there's people in the body of Christ that are in all different places, married with children, married without children, single, divorced, widowed. I mean, we've got some some widows and widowers in the congregation that um, they, they do a lot. I mean, my, my mom is a widow and like we couldn't do without her. You know, she, she's great with the kids and um, just, you know, always there to help. And so, you know, it's we could easily be sort of like bitter towards each other sometimes, I think, like the married with kids can look at the, the singles or the married without kids and like wish for that freedom and you kind of be bitter towards them. And by the same token, the singles can look at the marrieds, especially if they got kids and it's like family night and all that stuff. And, and the grass is always greener um, on the other side of the fence. And you can, you, can, you can sort of be embittered toward each other or you can realize like we all need each other and um, we should all love each other and, and learn from each other and support each other however best we can. Yeah. Yeah, I don't say that I um, think the grass is written on the other side. For one, because this is public forum and I want my wife to be really proud of me when she re watches this. <laughs> no, but, but no, but seriously, we've, we've had conversations about this like 2020 and trying to date single is like, it is, it, it's, it just sounds very frightening and scary like the the swipe right swipe left like very um it, it's almost exactly what jonah was describing you know like it's just kind of a like a la carte you can just kind of pick these things and it's it's very um topical you know it's just like how a person looks swipe like and and just the stories that i've heard now i do have a couple friends who who found like a spouse in in those in um, those type of websites but like, I just look at Jordan, I was like, I'm so glad I found you old school way. Like, oh. We, we went through some of that, because a lot of those conversations that, that a lot of folks have right now is like on like social media platforms or texting and stuff like that. Like, we had to sit down and be awkward. <laughs> like, you know, I remember trying to like prep, talk myself up to like, you know, be ready to have this conversation with Jordan. Um, like we were, uh, we were back, man, I remember like it was yesterday, actually but I had rolled my ankle playing basketball. So my friend was driving me and we were about to go pick Jordan up. And I was like, man, I got to change my approach tonight. <laughs> I was like, I got to do something different, man. Like I got to like really turn on my charm and stuff like not, not come off too aggressive. Um, and so she got in the car and like, instead of me like trying to be this shy person that I was, I, I try to like be more like outgoing and, you know, like get close to her and stuff like that. That wasn't my style. But like I said, just just the awkwardness of what, what that felt like and versus like being on a text message, you got time to think about it. You got like, you can just, you can almost be someone else, you know, and like, mm -hmm. then you show up in person and it's like, where's all that energy that you had on, <laughs> you know, like you're a great, you're a great emoji sender, but like, where's your emotions in person? <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Ouch. Hmm. What? I feel judged. <laughs> oh, like, can you imagine showing up like that to a oh, date? Okay. Hey, like, you're emotionless. Let's talk about that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I could not imagine. That's why I'm like, I'm so glad we went through all that awkward stuff to dating. 
because a lot of that stuff is 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 not there anymore you know yeah no i i can agree with that well and what's what's interesting is that consumerist idea um so like has a family member who literally told him when he was a high schooler like hey what are you getting out of your relationship with your friends I was like, what do you mean, what am I getting? They're my friends. Like, well, yeah, but you do a lot for them. What do they do for you? And, and you know, that was, that to me is a little frustrating because if you're an adult telling a high schooler that you're telling them wrong, like a relationship isn't, shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't seek to get something, but he wasn't a Christian. Um, and And you could tell because you could tell that that's how he lived his life and in his relationships, that's how he, he saw people and he didn't have a lot of friends. And so I was like, well, not great advice, someone to someone else. And, and, you know, Blake didn't believe in that at the time. And I'm glad he didn't because he'd be a totally different person if he did. But, you know, other Christians don't necessarily have this, why why would they not see it as a consumerist idea like it's a relationship give take sure that's how everything mm -hmm. in our in our society it is capitalist like it can the customer's always right you can buy things on command with amazon um and so if, if you're not careful to not let that leak into your relationships it can and once you start seeing each other is just like well you did this i'll do that it's what we were, um, Blake and I call the scorecard because our counselor told that. It's like, mm -hmm. careful with the scorecard because once you start doing that, you start resenting and, and building up ammo against each other um, and it's not healthy. Yeah. That's such but, a hard thing to resist. That's such a hard thing to resist. Yes. What'd you say, Bobby? Yes. Very, very transactional. Yeah, yeah. I could, I could see that, especially in a, I guess, in a, a marriage who, who doesn't have Christ in the center. Um, because I'm sure all of us can admit that like, no, I did the dishes last, so I'm not doing it again. Like, oh, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just right there in the back of your head. And, and that's, that's something that today was really refreshing to hear is like, marriage is not about you. Like it's, mm. it's, it's not even really much less about your spouse either as it is it's like, we are a display of the mystery of Christ to the church. And, um, you know, it goes back to that question, like, what is our mission? You know, what is what is our mission as a as a married couple? What do we look like? What message are we putting out there? Um, because it, it isn't so much about us and our especially our kids and things like that. Yeah, and I've even seen it a little a little twisted in that direction of like I had a friend who was shopping per se for a missionary wife. Um, was looking for someone to go with him abroad to missions and that was like the main qualifying factor on his like wish list quote unquote that he was looking for and whoever wasn't willing to go wasn't for him and ironically he never ended up going and I'm like well that's that is also maybe a consumerist way for Christ of like yeah. you know have respect for your possible significant other to see them more than just the potential missionary wife they might be mm -hmm. or like maybe maybe that's a solo mission that you should do and not you know like I just thought that was kind of I don't, I don't know if they saw that at the moment
but that's how I perceived it. And I was like, well, that's not really fair to the other person that you're dating either. And so, and, and they were frustrated, you know, like it, it wasn't working out. Um, or I, there was a, there's a church I went to where the pastor's wife, like was very open about the fact that she went to seminary. Um, she went to a, a seminary to look for a Christian husband. It's like, well, on the one hand, I can get that. You're definitely, you're likely to find one there, but like, it's literally shopping for your spouse over there. It's like, it was a weird concept to me. I don't know. I still think about it. It's like, and she found one and, and she said, yeah, my goal is to be a, a preacher wife. And I got it. You kind of, you kind of elaborated. <laughs> and I, I just, I think that that, that consumer mentality or that it's all about me mentality can happen before we're married and after we're married. And I know, um, I think it's just something we need to be aware of. And it's just, it's going to happen. It's going to pop up. We're going to have those moments and days when we are thinking more about ourselves. I know there's, there's times for me, um, just in the busyness of life, the monotony of day to day that I can just, um, zoom in on everything that I think is wrong or that needs to be better or the way that I want things to be or something specific that I think that I want and I can just become critical. Um, and when I zoom in on those things and when I become focused on those things, like there's nothing good that comes out of it. Um, and I know it, like I'm, I'm aware of it. I, I have that mentality kind of like I'm wanting just to select all of the things that I want for that day. Um, and I, and I know that's, that's happening, but I think that, God's calling me to zoom out and look at the big picture of what he might be doing. Um, and, and in those frustrating moments, it's like, can we just ask ourselves, like, how have I seen my spouse being transformed into the image of God? You know, like, instead of focusing on those things that we think are wrong, like, can we just step back and zoom out and think about that question? Or um, am I thanking God for my spouse? Am I treating my spouse as an image bearer of God? I think that's critical like are you are you treating your spouse am I treating my spouse like some like somebody who's made in the image of God and um that can be just kind of a big convicting thing for me and just a question that Jonah posed today how can I support you in becoming who God made you to be it takes the focus off of me and puts the focus on focus on the other person um and I came across this quote from Tim Keller um and he said, and I just think this is beautiful, and it kind of elaborates on that question that Jonah posed today. Um, he said, within the Christian vision of marriage, here's what it means to fall in love. It is to look at another person and get a glimpse of what God is creating and to say, I see who God is making you, and it excites me. I want to be part of that. I want to partner with you and God in the journey you are taking to his throne. And when we get there, I will look at your magnificence and say, I always knew you could be like this. I got glimpses of it on earth, but now look at you. And I, I think, um, I just think that's a beautiful quote. And I think it just, it takes the focus off of us and puts the focus on, on what God can do in and through our marriage for us and for our spouse. How can we step into situations like that conversation you shared earlier, um, Michael and even Jasmine, just your situation with um, moving overseas for a little bit. Like, how can we step into those situations and ask, ask that question? Um, 
How can I support you in becoming who God made you to be? And then we get to participate in that and we get to watch that. We get to be a part of that. And I, I think if I can step into those daily situations or just those stressors and just remind myself of that, I think it just, um, it helps a whole lot in those hard moments and those difficult moments. Um, to, and to not, to not be approaching things from such a um, consumer self-centered mindset that I think comes more naturally than I want to admit. Yeah. Great thought. Right. Let's wrap up. That's a great way to end it. And uh, we got, we got money to talk about next week. So we got to, he's going to get into money next time. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. We'll talk about money after the Sunday sermon. Uh, Matthew 19.